0: Hello, everybody. My name is Rodrigo. And this is Ryan, and this is the Ether Podcast. And today we're continuing our series on the Book of Mark. And I gotta say, and to be very honest, uh, I am very tentative about this podcast. I was wondering if there was a whole podcast that we could do on a Mark six, verse one through six. But we are giving it our best here, and we shall see. This podcast may never see the light of day, but uh, <laughs> Ryan and I are here to <laughs> do our best bring you good stuff. Starting off faithfully. That's right. Very tentative today. Very, very non-confident today. But because of that, we are going to start off with uh, Ryan giving us a quick summary of what, we, what we've what we been through. And uh, go ahead, man.
1: I think it's funny to start off by saying that I'm not real faithful about this. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about faith um, <laughs> and we're going to talk about the impact of it and what it does and what it means. So, last week we talked about fear and we talked about this strange idea that jesus was feared and we always think of jesus as having this this little lamb around his shoulders and here we saw a couple of instances where jesus was actually feared and people were amazed at what he did in a less than positive way yes and really shocked people with the actions that he did And Mark 5 has four miracles, and we only talked about a couple of them. One that we didn't get a chance to talk about, or I guess two actually that we didn't get a chance to talk about, we're at the end of the chapter, and they really provide the momentum that goes into Mark 6. So at the end of Mark 5, there's a uh, religious leader named Jairus who has a daughter who's sick in bed and is dying, he runs to Jesus and finds him and grabs him and holds on to him and says, Jesus, you've got to come and help my daughter. She's about to die. And Jesus says, lead the way, follow. And as they're on their way, uh, a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years says to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garments, I'll be healed. And she reaches out and touches him. And she was healed and Jesus turns around and says your faith has healed you and turns and continues on with Jairus and at that moment some men from his house come up intercept them and say Jairus your daughter has died and in Mark 5:36 Jesus tells Jairus don't be afraid just believe telling him to to look at this with beyond your human eyes, that that trust in me, believe in me. Your daughter is not dead. And it says in Mark 5, verse 40, that the crowd laughed at Jesus, that their response was disbelief to the point of actually laughing at him. And Jesus goes into the room and raises this girl from the dead and amazes the people who see it then we transition into mark six and jesus returns to his hometown of nazareth the town where he grew up the town where he learned his trade as a carpenter the town where most likely his father died the town where he learned about uh, the torah and the jewish laws and how to be a jewish boy Mary and Joseph had other sons and daughters, and Jesus grows up there, leaves town, and stays away for a while, and during that time, gathers disciples around him, does some miracles, causes a stir in the countryside, comes home, and people are excited to see him, and he comes back as this traveling rabbi, this traveling teacher, and they invite him into the The synagogue to teach and want to hear what he has to say and as jesus starts to talk to him people were amazed at him but then you start getting this 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 thread where people are saying where did this man get these things what's the wisdom that's been given him what are these remarkable miracles he's performing very positive and then it turns and you start hearing isn't this the carpenter Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Jesus, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith and says to him that a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own home. And he could do no miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And so you get this contrast between the amazement and the belief of mark 5 returning home and the disbelief in mark 6
0: yes and you know just to clarify and we talked about this on the video that we just did about this passage the questions that are being asked aren't meant to be perceived as this genuine curiosity and even some of the statements that are made about jesus aren't supposed to be like they knew he was a carpenter and they knew who he was and you know you mentioned before Even the question of saying, like, isn't this Mary's son? Asking that question in that way was actually an insult. They were insinuating that he wasn't a legitimate son. And so, like, this is not only disbelief, but it's very hostile disbelief. Extremely. Yes. And and, and I think one of the interesting things is I think that Jesus is in very good company because there is a long-held tradition of prophets— Not being received very well in the Old Testament. You and I were talking before we started about, off the top of my head, I can think of two people that were well received during their time as quote unquote prophets. One of them being Ezra, which again, that could be totally wrong, but I cannot think of anybody really opposing him in the work that he was doing. And the other one being Jonah, who he was a very unwilling prophet, but once he went and preached to the people that he needed to preach to, he was very well received in spite of his objections to doing what he was sent to do. And, but by and large, prophets aren't popular people. Right. And again, I think there is this uh, theme throughout the Bible of people preaching and bringing in truth that precedes Jesus. And even after him, we know of his apostles sort of continuing his work and they weren't necessarily well-received. So for as insulting and as like, whoa, how could they possibly? And again, these were people that knew Jesus from childhood. These are people that are from his own town. And I think in a sense is a microcosm of how a good portion of the population that Jesus comes across with receives them, which is at the very least with a lot of skepticism and our worse is with a great deal of hostility
1: absolutely yeah it's as you finish up the jesus story and as the new testament authors start looking back into the old testament to really connect jesus back to the old testament you start seeing all these messages and passages about jesus or the messiah not being accepted that he was going to be the suffering servant, that he was destined to be an outcast, which is its incredibly surprising. I think that, that we give ourselves so much credit this day and age, being so removed from these stories and assuming if I was in that situation, I would do it completely differently. And I would be the one that would understand who Jesus is. I would follow Jesus. I, I, Peter, Peter goes on to be the rock and one of the main leaders of the day. And even he denied Jesus. I would have stood strong. Right. <laughs> and you go, no, you wouldn't.
0: <laughs> right. No, you wouldn't.
1: I mean, how many times do we see in the Bible people being given those opportunities that we think oh, I would die for that opportunity? And they, they shirked it they 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 went against it I, you think about moses moses is up on a mountain with a burning bush talking to god and god says i want you to go to egypt and i will be with you and moses says right on let's do it right except he doesn't right. he says no there's got to be somebody else and you have this back and forth at five times that moses says send somebody else it's not me and i think in this day and age it's easy for me to look back and go man if god would just tell me what to do i would do it and i would follow and you go no probably not yeah that we can see people given the opportunity who are spoken to clearly by god that did not follow that did not go along with what god wanted
0: you know, it's interesting because I've uh I've wondered many times if Jesus came today, like literally if somebody showed up today claiming to be Jesus and saying I'm the son of God, I'm this guy that you've heard of. I've often wondered whether I would believe and say say they they were, say this person in fact was who they say they were. I've often wondered myself how would I receive That person, because I think we, I think many times we make faith this very intrinsic. Is it comes from our inside kind of thing, and we don't often talk about faith as a product of our environment kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because even, for example, you you gave the example of Moses and sort of his refusal to even want wanting to go and prophesy. And when you think of his circumstance and you think of it very honestly, you could go like, I could totally understand why Moses wouldn't want to do that. When you think of Peter denying Jesus and you think of his circumstance, you can very easily, if you are an honest, sober minded person, you can go like, I can totally understand how Peter would deny Jesus given the circumstance. Sure. Sure. I often think, man, if Jesus showed up, how many hurdles would I put in front of him to jump through to for me to believe him? Because see, here's the thing. In the context of Jesus, whether and we can forget this, it is a very natural thing. It's a it's a very natural thing for people not to think of him as who he says he is because the religious context of his time Jesus being a lowly, poor carpenter from Nazareth, which is a non important town, was very opposite to what people were used to a religious person being. Mm -hmm. The Pharisees and Sadducees were sort of the elite of society. They were very well educated. By and large, they were wealthy. They came from wealthy families. They dressed in very uh, luxurious garments. They were very important in their society. And so in that context, who you're expecting to be the most important person that's ever existed, you would think would come from that. Mm-hmm. And so and it, it's literally faith is looking past just what surrounds you. It's looking past your circumstance to really believe God requires to for you to to almost abandon to a certain degree reality and for jesus to say hey yes i am this carpenter and yes my birth has some question marks in it because to believe that i was conceived by the spirit is difficult because that's not a human thing and to believe that i am the messiah that's that it is it is hard to believe but i am and again i think we don't talk about faith in a lot of times in the sense of that it's hard, like actual faith, the actual exercise of being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see requires for us to cancel out reality and to cancel out the actual context that surrounds us. And so I think, again, I am very afraid that either if jesus came today or if i if i existed at that time i don't know that i would have believed Mm -hmm. because it requires a lot like there's a lot of abandonment of what i'm sure of that it is required to actually have the faith that jesus was looking for
1: yeah yeah you've been brought up believing that this is who the messiah is and who he's going to be and i'm I'm sure that that there were people that were more accepting just because of their their background, that you've got some of these um, more right-wing, nationalistic, zealot-type characters who believe that Jesus is going to come and he's going to lead Israel powerfully as a military leader. Then you've got more of this left, liberal uh, group who... Who doesn't necessarily see him that way, but has this this mindset of coming as a as a as royalty, and nobody expects this this lowly carpenter
0: right.
1: to show up in this dusty town. And not only do they not expect a carpenter, but these people here specifically know who he is. That they saw him. They saw him playing games in the street. They know his mom, they know his dad, they know his brothers and his sisters. And so for him, I think there's this familiarity that they were unable to get past. And I think that's why Jesus talks about a prophet in general terms in his hometown, that, that this goes for everybody, that people have a difficult time getting beyond the this this um trying to figure out how exactly to describe it but i've got worked up in my mind who a, a messiah is and he's not you the guy that sat behind me in english class
0: <laughs> right
1: <laughs> you know he, he he's somebody different and there's a mystique and a majestic majesty about him and that's not you and um I think that that was mostly what their problem was that, that I know, I know who you are, that you're a carpenter. And they, they speak very ugly terms about him because it's, I don't know who you, who you are or who you think you are, but you left town and you came back and you've got this entourage with with you, which is very nice by the way, but I still know who you are.
0: Right.
1: I picked on you when we were in <laughs> Jewish boys school
0: right.
1: and I stole your lunch money and I gave you a holy wedgie.
0: Right. Right. You are not <laughs> the Messiah.
1: Um, and I, I think that there's, there's always that wrestling. There's always that, that inability, but no, what you just said is absolutely correct in my mind of what would it take for me to get to believe in Jesus? Like what kind of, what kind of hoops would I make him jump through? How would I make him prove himself? And you know, one of the things that I I started thinking about is this this last verse um, that we're we're um, looking at, or verse five. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them, um, which is amazing in and of itself. But the fact that he was unable. To do any miracles there because of their lack of faith like like it required faith for god to be able to to do something great and you know one one thing that you and i were talking about before starting the podcast is this question of where are miracles nowadays right that i don't know about you but the tradition that i grew up in we kind of shunned the idea of modern miracles that that just doesn't happen anymore god doesn't work that way that they're recorded in the bible and the bible contains everything that we need for belief for faith and he doesn't do miracles anymore and i've never really understood why that would be the feeling because there's nothing in the bible that says after this time God stopped doing miracles among the people. Right. Um, there's nothing that says that time had ended. And a lot of theologians will, will say that miracles ended in the apostolic age. But that's, that's really just a name that we gave to it in more modern times. Those are dates that we came up with. And there's nothing in the Bible that says apostolic age is done. Miracles are done. Right. And one of the things that we don't see the people in Nazareth doing is pointing back to themselves and saying, you know, I've heard that he does a lot of miracles, and I'm not seeing any. And so that's not a question that is written in the in the text, but you got to imagine that's in there as well, of them saying, hey, Jesus, I heard you do all kinds of great stuff. I'm not seeing any of that stuff. Right. <laughs> I thought you were a big boy. Um, but they never turned back and looked at themselves and said maybe we are the reason no miracles are showing up and it makes me wonder could we be the reason that no miracles are showing up because you hear these these crazy stories um, or not crazy but unbelievable fantastic stories of people who are bedridden or in a wheelchair for years and at some church service they stand up and they walk and you go all right explain that to me right and i can't i can't and so i've got to imagine that there's something that is stopping miracles from happening and i wonder if it's us i wonder if it's me i wonder if it's my lack of faith that god is saying look you don't have the faith i can't work
0: You know it's interesting, and, and again, I think this goes back to uh, this whole idea that we've been talking about of how much would it would real faith I think even faith that causes a miracle because I think in our in our context, right I think one of the one of the big hurdles to really believe in miracles is the fact that we live in a very scientific world, sure, and even having to abandon sort of what we know science to be and sort of what we know the limitations of science to be. I think that is definitely a hurdle. I think even some of our own biblical knowledge, like I've been told, I've been told and read many, many a commentary, many a Bible study, many a, whatever you want to call it, that does talk about sort of the end of miracles and sort of how that in one way or another died with the apostles. And I think it's a difficult uh, question to answer because we don't know and we don't have an answer. But I think where we really have to wrestle in our walk with God, I think is really bringing into question the kind of faith that we have. And are we even willing to abandon, again, abandon what we know? Because it would seem that that is one of the things that is required for faith. One of, the, one of the people that really challenged me on this, strangely enough, is my mother. My mom is a very complex uh, character in my life. There she is, came
1: up last week too. She
0: did, and, and, it, and she will come up many, many a times because again, <laughs> she's a big part of my life. I love my mom, and there are many good things and there are many bad things that I will share about her because again, it's, it, she's a very complex creature. And for all of for all of my mom's faults, and even for the I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily call my mom a pious woman, but she legitimately believes that God works in her life to do amazing and unbelievable things, and I've seen them. And let me just tell you the story. And okay. you, Ryan Novak can do with this what you want, and people listening on the interwebs, you can do this with with this what you want. And stuff like this has happened more than once in my life. And I've been there to witness it. And don't don't just don't call me crazy because I was there.
1: (laughs) That doesn't mean you're not crazy.
0: (laughs) So and I will just share this story. And and stuff like this happens all the time with my mom. We uh we were walking to a mall to my brother needed needed clothes for school. And my mom had no money to buy them. Like she had, a, uh, I don't know, say twenty dollars. This did not happen in the U.S., so I'm, let's just make it an equivalent. And she had twenty dollars, and she knew that she needed forty dollars to buy my brother what he needed. And so we're walking to this to this mall where they sell clothes, obviously. Uh, and I'm I'm going to my mom like. It's a good start how are we going to buy this if you know you don't have money? And she literally turns to me and is like, don't worry, God's going to provide. And she begins to pray for God to basically do a miracle and somehow for us to get the money to buy my brother his clothes. So we're walking and we're crossing an empty field Again, this is not the U.S., so I think for people to think that there's an empty field somewhere on our mall is kind, of, kind, of, kind of difficult to understand. But this didn't happen here. So there's an empty field around this mall, and we're walking through it, and there's no one around us. And all of a sudden, this breeze blows by, and both my mom and I feel something hit our, uh, hit our feet. And we both look down. And it's $40. <laughs> and so not only now do we have enough money to buy to buy the clothes for my brother, but we have more. We have $20 more, $20 more than we needed to buy the stuff that we, my brother needed. And I was just sitting – and this was – and let me say this. This was before I was a Christian. This was back when I was like a teenager – And I didn't necessarily have a faith to speak of. Mm -hmm. But that day I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And so we went and we bought the stuff. And my mom looked at me the whole way there and the whole way back going like, see, I told you. And I'm not lying to you, Ryan. Stuff like that happens to my mom all the time. And for all of my mom's faults, one of the things that I think she's taught me and that she constantly challenged me, challenged me, challenged me on, is that kind of faith in God, that kind of faith of like, God can do crazy things, like things that you wouldn't believe. And and so w- with that, I I would tell you that it, and again, like, as me recounting the story now sounds a little crazy. Me experiencing it, I was just kind of like, I don't know what to do with this. I just I just didn't know. But part of me was like, you know what? There is a God. If, if my mom said that God was going to provide it and she prayed for it and boom, I don't know where this money came, I'm going to believe that there's a God.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Yes. There's a different kind of person um, in the Bible and out of the Bible. And I guess your mom falls into that category of people who are willing to do things because they believed and God yes. always did amazing things in their lives. And you think about in Mark five, about the woman who was bleeding, that she said, I know that if I can touch Jesus, he's gonna heal me. Right. I just know it and I'm gonna do it. And Jesus didn't say, I have healed you. It says your faith has healed you. That it's because you believed that this was taken care of for you. And it was the belief that caused her to act. That something had happened or some belief was there in her heart that drove her to Jesus, and she said, "I'm going to do this," that she, I'm sure, was having this conversation with herself as she's going. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. No, he's not. No, he's not. Yes, he is. You've got to believe. Stay strong. I can't do it. I can't do it." And she pushed through that. She pushed past it and reached out and touched him, and Jesus healed her because of her faith. The gyrus, what does Jesus say? You, I know that these guys are telling you that she's dead. Trust in me. Believe. Do not fear. And you got to imagine this feeling of, of this conflict in his heart where he's going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And Jesus is whispering in his ear, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. And what happens? Jairus's daughters healed. That right. you got to imagine that it's, it's linked to faith. It's not explicitly stated. But then you get to Mark 6, and Jesus says, the reason I can't do anything, or the Bible says, the reason he couldn't do anything is because they did not believe. And Jesus was astonished at the lack of their faith. The only other time that Jesus was astonished also dealt with faith and that was in matthew 8 with the faith of the centurion and the centurion comes and he says hey i have a a servant he's sick and i need you to come and heal him and jesus says let's do this let's go and the centurion says i appreciate it that's a very nice offer but you don't even have to come just say the word and it'll be done Right. And it says that Jesus was astonished and amazed that to do something that amazes God is ab- unbelievable. And that here you, you see the same word or the same mentality being applied to the same topic of faith, that when someone has it, he's astonished. And, the, and Jesus even questions when the son of man returns, will he find faith? In this world, that it's so rare, it's so hard to find in people. Will I even find it when I come back? Yeah. And the other time he's amazed by it is by the lack of it and thinking, "Wow, I I must have underestimated you guys or overestimated y'all because this is just on a different level."
0: You know, I think it's it's always difficult to believe, but. I think about what people need to, in our context today, in our modern context, the things that people need to, again, jump over and ignore, not necessarily ignore, but abandon, in order to come to faith now. We live in an environment that is very scientifically based. I think to what degree, I don't know. There's a lot of discussion, but we seem to be moving more and more toward more of a secular society which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing but that's a conversation for another day Um, and even I think even uh, the religious environment today I think can be very very tricky and I think I experienced this as somebody who tries to really preach the word to other people and will even approach strangers and inviting them to church or to a bible study and all this other stuff. I think there is a skepticism coming from a person who claims to be religious because there's a lot of religious religiosity out there that isn't necessarily um, appealing to people is the best way mm-hmm. I can put it. And I sure. think even, even thinking of my life, uh, I became a Christian in 2001 around that time um I was very skeptic to begin with. Uh, I think I've shared before both here and in other videos, like I didn't necessarily grow up in a Christian household. Um, and I certainly but didn't.
1: You grew up in a household where God threw money at right. you. It
0: was, it was a very complete, let me, let me say <laughs> this, my, my <laughs> religious background is very weird. My mom was into all kinds of things, right? Like she would take us to church. She would take us to, um, uh, meditation sessions like we would go there was a period of about 8 months and almost every week we went to like a like a hari krishna kind of thing and we would go into this studio where all these people would go and they would dim the lights and people would just meditate in there and i as a child would attend these things and i was just like so just needless to say i had a very varied and complex religious uh, upbringing and so okay. <laughs> and so I didn't necessarily have a christian faith and but at the time in which I feel like people were really approaching me about wanting to learn about Christ and Christianity and all this stuff, was sort of at the height of all these uh priests molesting children and mm-hmm. um hiding it, and so I had already baked in skepticism of religious adults who were male approaching me as a young teenager, as a teenager about wanting to learn about the Bible. And I think, again, like from the moment uh, I would say, from the moment people started trying to get me to read the Bible and the time that I actually did it, two years went by. And I think a lot of the reason why such a long time went by was because I had to abandon a lot of these hurdles, if you will, for me to really come to faith. And I feel like for the majority of people out there, a lot of this stuff still exists. And so I think I think that challenges us in two ways or in two or three ways. One, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that faith isn't just this thing that we're sort of born with and we either have it or we don't. I think... When people don't have it or when people are hesitant to have it, I think we need to understand that there's a background and a reason why it is so. And I think we need to be patient with people. And at the same time, I think we need to um, really take it upon ourselves to present the gospel in a way that really is going to be convincing. Again, that being said, that being said, I think what's true for the time before Jesus was true in his time is still true now. By and large, the prophets, if you will, are never going to be well received. That is just a a matter of fact. And I think, you know, we as people that are trying to bring the gospel to other people, we're going to try to do so. And some people will receive it and some people won't. But I I I think when we think of people's faith, and in us trying to build it, I think one of the challenges is to really understand the world we live in, and I think we 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 have to acknowledge that.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's always this this line I think that Christians wrestle with, and I grew up in a in a religious household and with a religious background, and the the problem that I always ran into was how religious is too religious, and which feels weird to say. And I think it's even something that dogs me still to this day of how much do I want to let people know what I believe, which is a completely faithless and terrible way to be a disciple. I'll just (laughs) personally shame myself and my own faith. But I think that there's, for Christians, there's that question of what degree Christian do I want to be? Now, as disciples, we know that there is no degree of Christian, you're saved or you're not saved. Um, But I think that there's how willing are you to be out there for Jesus? And the hard part is that that Jesus tells us that if, if you follow me, if you imitate who I am, the way that I live my life, the way that I conduct myself, you will be persecuted. The world will hate you. And you go, man, well, that clears up the question about the prophets because God has promised that the world's going to hate them. Right. Um, now the question is how willing am I to be hated by the world? And you can be the safe Christian and you can post niceties and feel good kind of scriptures on Facebook and put them up on Instagram that, that just make people, make people smile, or you can really preach the word. And that can be a loving message, but Jesus and the prophets were not killed because they preached a nice message that made people feel good. They preached one that unfortunately pitted man and God in separate directions and said, there's a separation here and you're on the wrong side. And I think that goes back to our, our discussion about a fear of God and teaching people to have this fear of who God is and, and knowing that God is love. Absolutely. But he is also not a God to be, to be messed with. And he's not a God to hedge your bets with. Oh, I think that he's, I think he's good. No, no, You need to be working tough to be saying, I need to make sure that God and I are cool. And it's this this uncomfortable balance of being fearful and working hard and um, repenting, being open, um, changing your life constantly, um, bringing yourself closer to Jesus, and also dwelling in peace and and having that reassurance that I live in the love and the grace of Jesus. That it's, it's, it's both, both sides that, um, you can't have one without the other.
0: Yes. And, uh, let me, let me close with this. Cause I think, um, I think we did end up with a very good podcast in spite of my faithlessness, Ryan Nova. It's important uh, to have faith.
1: That's what we've talked about.
0: That's right. That's right. There's a couple of things here. On the one, speaking of of the passage in of itself, I feel like there's a part of me that sees the way that the people of Nazareth treated Jesus and I go like, how dare they? Mm -hmm. And simultaneously, there's a part of me that goes, I can understand. Mm -hmm. And I think as it is with many things uh, related to our faith, and the complexities of it things aren't as simple as we would like them to be right and i think even speaking of our faith and in trying to bring faith to people there is this element of don't mess with god <laughs> the the saddest part about this passage isn't the way they insulted jesus although it's very mean it's very nasty And I think for Jesus to be treated that way is is bad on those people's parts. But the saddest part of this passage is that the people of Nazareth, the people that saw Jesus growing up, the people that interacted with him every day, that could potentially, in a logical sense, could have drawn the most blessing from a person that grew up in their town were, in fact, the people that received the least blessings because he just wasn't able to do them yeah and there is this element of when our faith is lacking who loses out is us there's sort of this duality in which i can understand given their environment given what they understood to be good religion given what they understood to be a good religious leader giving all their expectations, I can understand why they didn't have faith. And on the other hand, how could you people not have had faith? And I think that dynamic exists with us today and it exists with ourselves and it exists with everybody. And it's kind of going back to what you said, on the one sense, don't mess with God. And on the other one, I think we have to be aware of our own context and our own limitations and really work on that. So with that thought, uh, we will close out this podcast. And again, it ended up being a good one. Uh, Thank you, Ryan, for all of your insight and input. Please follow us on social media at EtherMMC. Visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash EtherMMC. Consider becoming one of our Patreons. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.